to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Proverbs 13 verse 22. A hard-working uh, American couple made the difficult decision to leave everything familiar and to retire to Portugal. They felt their meager savings would go much further there than in the States. Upon arrival, though, with prices you know, escalating globally, uh, all they could afford was a small holding some distance out of the city with only one building on it. It was a very plain old barn. This is a true story. But they decided with a bit of hard mahi, uh, it could be converted into a dwelling. After purchasing the property, they headed off to Mitre 10, whatever it was in Portugal, and bought a battery-powered grinder and managed to cut the hefty lock that uh, had obviously prevented other purchasers or buyers uh, wanting to see the contents of this building. To their amazement, inside were dozens of vintage and classic cars covered in dust. And being in a state sale, no one had bothered to check the contents. Some of the cars were so rare that the total value of their find ran into the millions. And it was all theirs, fair and square. Well, this modern-day kind of story, true story, could be likened to the parable of, uh, of Jesus, of him telling about the buried treasure, where the ultimate recipient, recipient, they sold everything to go and buy this field where the treasure was, but they'd only already sort of spied it, I think. They'd sort of already viewed that treasure. And I said it could be, it could be likened to it because these American boomers were simply lucky in that they bought this property that had treasure sight unseen thrown in. But the parable of the hidden treasure actually led the discoverer to seek it out. And that required digging, persistence, and faith-inspired action. So really, that story isn't like that one. So I'm just saying, yeah, my car, love it. Loving friend, though, was really excited about it. <laughs> and I just thought I'd mention that because we are going to look at an inheritance today, a godly inheritance. And as much as I enjoyed hearing that story, it is the opposite to today's message. Scripture does not honor chance happenings. In other words, luck. The Scripture honors faith. Scripture honors blessings, blessings that come our way. Jesus honored faith. Faith pleases God. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Jenny said to me, why are you telling that story when it's not what you want to say? I said, oh, well, it was a good story. <laughs> anyway, Hebrews 11 6 says that uh, without faith, we cannot please God. So today we are focusing on receiving an undeserved spiritual inheritance through faith. This inheritance that God is offering each one of us is undeserved. We didn't deserve it. 
It's at Christ's expense. This is our seed of hope, message number two. Last week, Nathan preached from Ephesians 1, unpacking why and how we are chosen and sealed by the Father in order to receive every blessing that Christ paid for in full. It may not be a shed full of cars, but it's way more valuable what God gives us. Today, my hope is that we will we'll be in awe. We'll be in awe of the amazing spiritual inheritance that is given to those who believe in Christ. And this is really not the world's thinking, generally. One worldview, extreme worldview, really, is that you make your own luck. You make it by hard work and your own efforts. You play hard, leaving whatever's left as a legacy to the family. When Jenny and I were traveling, we came across a couple who said, oh, you're doing it too. And we said, what, what, what are we doing? And he said, you know, spending the kids' inheritance now. Skin for short. Spending the kids' inheritance now. I said, mm, no, we're hoping to leave a bit more than that. Anyway, my, my message goal today is that we learn how to walk in God's given inheritance, God-given inheritance. We learn how to walk in that now and how to pass on a spiritual legacy that will ripple through eternity. I hope you caught that. We want to pass on a spiritual legacy that will ripple through eternity. So my message title is Inheritance Now and Not Yet. We've said it before, but it's worth repeating that Ephesians is one of the many letters that Paul wrote from a prison cell. Just imagine writing all these wonderful words in a dark, dingy prison. And yet it contains hope beyond measure of something that is unfathomable in human terms. Paul's joy was, didn't depend on his circumstances. It didn't depend on his status at the time or his earthly pleasures, but on faith alone. That's what drove Paul. Paul's primary passion was about Christ's bride-to-be, the church and the spread of his gospel. His friend Epaphras, Epaphras, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, Epaphras had brought him some, some rather concerning news. I thought he'd perhaps bring him some home cooking too, but anyway, he did bring some rather concerning news of false doctrines that were creeping into the church. While Paul was away, you know, there was stuff crept in. There were some who had begun worshipping uh, the universe, creation, and principalities. Sound familiar? <laughs> Creating the created, not the creator. And uh, so this, this kind of blend of uh, Jewish and pagan myths came together as sort of like an, a heresy in the church. So in this letter, Paul goes to great lengths to counter these by honoring Christ above all others. As Nathan said last week, Christ is honored above all others in this first chapter, reminding the church of Christ's supremacy in the heavens and the earth, along with the many blessings of being 
in Christ, that word, those two words, in Christ is mentioned many times. As Nathan shared last week, Ephesians 1, 3 to 12 is really one long sentence in the Greek. Giving Christ all the praise, all glory, and the honor for the vastness of creation. Paul sort of escalates the vision of people to include everything, heavens above and below. Verse 10 sums it up, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. It's pretty inclusive, isn't it? So with that whole context in mind, just thinking about these sort of things creeping into the church, diminishing Jesus' status, with all of that, just keep that in mind as we continue on in Ephesians today. So let's turn and learn from Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Let's, uh, let's go there. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 for a start. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, wait for it, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. You know, in verse 13 and 14, we read just now that having received this true gospel, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit, given as a pledge of our inheritance. A pledge is a promise of something to come, something to look forward to, something in the future brought into today. Promised by none other than the Spirit of God himself. But wait, wait, haven't we already received this inheritance in verse 11? Let's just check out verse 11. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. You know, verse, you know in that verse, it's quite clear. Having obtained means we already have the inheritance of being called, chosen, and saved. But what Paul is really saying in verse 14 is that what we received at salvation along with purpose for this life is just the start. It's just the start, friends. We have got so much more to look forward to. And we are also sealed in the Holy Spirit who will grant us an eternal inheritance that will never end, now and not yet. So Paul continues to unpack the vastness of this inheritance by means of several prayers, starting in verse 15. So let's, uh, let's turn to that verse. And he says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith and the Lord Jesus Christ which exists among you and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. So here's his first prayer. His first prayer is that they, the church at Ephesus, and us really, would be granted wisdom and revelation. 
That's good prayer, isn't it? That's Paul's number one prayer. Wisdom and revelation. This really is a great starting place for us to, at the start of maybe something new, a new season, new season for these guys getting married. It's great for all the things that we start out on, isn't it? Whatever we begin, it's good, good, good prayer. Wisdom and revelation. Good start. You know, it's, it's a way to start a new venture or a relationship in our lives. Pray for wisdom and revelation. There is nothing better than placing Christ at the center of any decision. When we were youth pastors, we were asked from time to time about some relationship advice. We'd see these little things happening, and then some, someone would ask, what should we do? And we would always say that the best advice we could ever give, put Jesus first. Put Jesus at the center of your thoughts, the center of your words, and your relationship. And if that doesn't sit well with the other person, that's a red flag. If Jesus can't be the, the, the center of your relationship, that's, that's a red light. Stop. Put Christ first and you won't go wrong. Number two prayer, the second prayer of Paul, that was, sorry, in verse, uh, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. Let's read verse 18. We've read it. Nathan stole my verse last week. It's okay. <laughs> I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, verse 19, and what is the surpassing greatness of power towards us who believe. And I'll just leave it there. This is the second prayer of Paul, that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened. We sang the song earlier, Open the Eyes of My Heart. And I love this, this song. I love the thought of the heart having vision into the spiritual things of God. And it's only recently been actually scientifically proven that the heart thinks. This comes as no surprise to those given to the Holy Spirit. Spirit, you know, and open to the Holy Spirit. Isaiah is quoted in John twelve forty, so they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I heal them. It's a sort of a, a little bit of a negative thing Isaiah was saying to these hard nosed people, you know, that you can't see with your eyes and you can't perceive with your heart. And uh, John quotes that. Well Jesus quotes it. The heart perceives things. Jesus knew that. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow springs of life. That's where it starts. Jesus said in John 7.38, He who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers, rivers of living water. It's pretty cool, isn't it? So we have to look after this heart of ours, not that blood pump, but the, the part of us that's just, you know, really all about us, who we are. That This is referring to the hearts cleansed by his blood. It's not open to everyone. It's the hearts that have been cleansed by Jesus' blood. 
Something happens to our perception and our discernment when we are saved and filled with God's Holy Spirit. Something happens. You know, people have commented how they've suddenly seen all these colors and they've seen flowers for the first time on that bank over there. They, they've seen other features of the natural world so much more clearer and brighter because they've got opened, their eyes have been opened by the Spirit of God. You know, I was trying to inspire a worker with a song from a worship album that I had sort of going around and around on repeat in my, my truck. And he dismissed it straight back saying, I've never heard it before. I thought, well, nor had I the first time. <laughs> But I love it, and I loved it right from the first time. <laughs> you know, it's about having a heart that's open, isn't it? A heart that, you know, has been enlightened. You know, the eyes of your heart waking up, seeing stuff in the Spirit. Number three, let's read the conclusion of this prayer of Paul in verse 18 and 19. That you'll know the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, of the saints, and what is the surpassing power towards us who believe? So we've got three words, and we got them up there on the screen. This is Samuel, hope, riches, and power. What an amazing inheritance. Hope, riches, and power. What a list. This is what it means to walk in our inheritance now. That's the now bit. We can walk in hope now, walk in the riches of Christ, what he bought for us on the cross and with his resurrection, and his resurrection power flowing through us that's just there for the asking once we're saved. This is the third mention of the word inheritance in just one chapter. Hope, riches, and power. This is our inheritance in the Lord. And according to verse 20, which I haven't read yet, I'm just about to, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Uh, it was one for us upon his resurrection. I believe these gifts of God are available now, but are not yet our full inheritance. Verse 21 says, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So we're going to get more and more and more of this power, of these riches, of the hope of glory. But it's up to us, the church. This is the challenge, folks. It's up to us, the church, to enforce those, that inheritance now over powers of darkness, squash them with those you know, riches that Christ bought, with the hope of eternal life that the devil hates. And, and it's up to us to crush those powers of darkness while there's still time for many to get saved. That's what we've got to do here and now. I've said it before, two things we can't do in heaven is get sinners saved and to sin. Heaven's free of sin, and there'll be all believers there. But it's up to us, the church. Like my worker, we need to see scales fall 
from dull eyes around us and about us. In Jesus' name, before it's too late, let's pray for who we talk to this week to see scales lifted off. That's the true prayer of an intercessor, that we see the scales of doubt and despair come off those unbelievers who don't believe this stuff. We, in Jesus' name, we have authority over sickness and death. In Jesus' name, we have authority over brokenness and hurt. We have authority over fear, doubt, apathy, compromise. We are sons and daughters of, for the, of, of the living God for his glory and our good. God does want to bring good things into our life. In the here and now but it's all for his glory. We are blessed to be a blessing. He desires us to leave an inheritance for our children's children. We're just going to wind up on that note, uh, just a little talk about an inheritance. An inheritance is so much more than cash, keepsakes, and the stuff we've worked all our lives for. That's just a tiny part of it. It's much more about honesty, integrity, keeping our word to our kids, how we love, passing godly values on to the next generation, modeling commitment, finishing well. They're all, they're all things that we can instill in others. But above all, knowing Jesus and being faithful to him is our greatest legacy. Knowing Jesus is our greatest legacy. We can pass on. I had a couple who wanted to separate, and I, and, and I wrote to the guy, and I, he'd done, done some dumb things. And I said, your decision you make now will ripple through eternity. I don't know if he read it. I don't know if he didn't respond, but I do think they're still together. You know, being a follower of Christ is our greatest legacy. Whether others follow on after us is God's department. There's no condemnation here. Whether others follow on, it's actually God's department. But as long as we've done our part. An old uh, open-air campaigner's uh, friend of mine said, yeah, you, lead, you tell people about Christ, you, you, you leave them, and you pray for them like mad. But it's not your problem if they don't receive. In the end, it's not about being lucky, like our American couple in Portugal. It's about being faithful to the call of God on our life, whatever that call is. It's in all the ups and the downs of this life, let's keep the hope of our calling, the riches of his inheritance, and the resurrection power of Christ to overcome all obstacles to our faith. Let's keep those things uppermost. To him be all the praise. Amen. Father, what a fantastic, fantastic offer. An inheritance now and forever. Lord, we just pray that we would take up that challenge to tell others about you now. In power, we tell people of the wonderful life that you have offered for all believers. Not free of trouble, not free of pain, but Lord, of knowing you, the greatest gift of all, all time. 
Lord, help us to tell those around us, family, friends, workmates. Help us to just be a light, like Andy said before, and how it's all tied in, Lord. We're to be a light, shining, whether others come close or not. Leave an inheritance, whether it's accepted or not. Tell truth, even when it hurts us. Stand for righteousness. Finish well. Keep our words. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact